Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's a handful of people who've recorded some of their biggest hits, all written by Ireland's Phil Coulter. Of course, renowned for those Eurovision belters, his songs were picked up and he was invited to work with everyone from Elvis there to Jerry Lee Lewis, the Bay City Rollers, Planksty, the Dubliners, Joe Dolan, Sinead O'Connor, Boys Own Tom Jones and so many more. From Grammy nominations to Ivor Novellos, his music is recognised all over the world and he's had chart hits in every decade since the 1960s, whether with a full band or an orchestra or the intimacy of himself and the piano. Phil shows no signs of stopping and at the unbelievable age of 80 he's currently on tour so I gave him a buzz but the day I called him I ran into tech troubles and I ended up getting cut off three times. Let me tell you, he was so patient, so good-humoured and generous about it all. And in fact, he could relate, as while we were doing a pre-record so I could edit out all the stops and starts, he told me about an unfortunate tech mishap he had recently on live TV himself, where there was no escape. 
I had a classic talking of, of screw-ups. I was doing on the RTE six o'clock thing with Dahi and Maura, right? Mm. It was during the lockdown. So I was doing it from my piano here yes. through my laptop, da-da-da. And backwards and forwards through the afternoon, I, I, I had tech guys calling me and I had, <laughs> I had, I had let's do a dry run, bye-bye-bye. It went on all afternoon. So I'm sitting at the piano. I've got my computer. I'm all set and I'm listening to their, their I'm watching their program. And after the commercial break, we'll be going straight to Phil Coulter, blah, blah, blah. So I'm sitting and watching my, my, my laptop and I'm all ready to go looking at the screen. And the next thing, the screen goes blank. Oh, no. Dead. Yeah. The laptop, I don't know what happened, but the whole thing but died. There was just no life at all. I thought they're coming straight to me after the, <laughs> after the ad. Are there going to be no me? Oh, so I lost the slot and I don't know what happened. I mean, maybe I pressed the wrong button or something. But So it's like when during the lockdown when I did those uh, uh, Saturday afternoon, we used to do like 30, 40 minutes uh, right. in order to stay in touch. The lockdown lounge, well, that, that, I mean, it, it, once I got the hang of it, it was fine to keep me in touch with my, with my followers. But for the first couple of goals, Elmer, I was coming out sideways, you know. I mean, I was like, I was... The stress was, of it all. I was, as if I was lying on my side, you know, doing the talking. Oh, the I see it. Yeah. Do you know what? Yeah, I was watching yeah. Liam Wainley, who was also playing from his house as well in lockdown. I think once or twice he was upside down too. And these things happen. <laughs> that adds to the reality of it, yeah. I suppose. Or it's yeah. spontaneity. Well, see, I'm an old dog who suddenly had to learn new tricks, but I'm glad I did because I feel a bit more, I mean, I'm no expert now, but I'm not as intimidated by it as I was. But you see, the thing is, I suppose, in one sense, it's it's like we always talk about children who are born in the digital age now. I mean, like you, over the uh, 60 years of your career, began with, you know, bringing all the amps and the wires and the connections in and out and the plugs out of the back of the van. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and so, like, I presume you have a certain amount of technical know-how built up. Yeah, I mean, as much to get me through, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be doing the lectures on it. You know? <laughs> I wouldn't be telling other people what to do. But I know enough to survive. And yeah, I know yeah, yeah. enough, like, listen, I know, the, the, the thing is, to know when you're out of your depth, that's the important <laughs> thing, you know, to, you know the limit of your knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> well, we That's reached that for me there about 20 minutes ago. So thanks for your patience. <laughs> and it is lovely, no, lovely no to talk problem, to you again. Listen, we, we did have like two snatched one minute conversation attempts already. And so I was asking you about the 80th birthday, which is, of course, being marked with this tour. And you were telling me you felt like you were 70, the same as you felt as you were when you were 60 and everything. But, you know, being on tour constantly takes takes a certain level of fitness and stamina and that sort of thing. So, like, what kind of a routine do, or do you have a routine, Phil, besides your academic work and your musical work that keeps you fit and active and able to do well, all yeah, of this? I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I don't overthink it. You know, I'm, I'm not obsessed, but I mean, I don't I don't spend a lot of time thinking about my the limited time I have on this earth. I don't I don't spend a lot of time thinking about the possibility of retirement. I just get on doing what I do, you know, mm-hmm. um, and in terms of going on the road. Yes. Stamina is the very word you need. Stamina is what you need. And you get it in a mindset where, you know, for for those 30 something dates, you know you're going to be spending X number of hours on the road. You know, you try and make that as pleasant as possible. On the road, you try and avoid, like, uh, eating gunge, you know. I mean, you, you don't do, like, takeaways and burgers and stuff like that. Um, for example, like, in a simple in a simple terms, what we would often do when we're doing the one-nighters is that uh, our driver, when, we, when we're doing the sound check, um, he'll pop over to uh, the local Tesco or supermarket and get a rotisserie chicken and some salads and stuff. And that's what, that's what will sustain us through. So you try and avoid, 
you know, like, as I say, takeaways or eating Chinese at 12 o'clock at night, that kind of thing, because that comes back to haunt you. <laughs> so it's just a matter of, of common sense, really, yeah. you know, common sense. Well, whatever you're doing, it's working and keep doing it. And I'm glad uh, you're not even countenancing the mention of retirement, which is great. I have to say a huge congratulations to you on the recent award of the freedom of the city of Derry. Mm. That must have been a really special occasion and a, a wonderful celebration. Well, it was a great weekend. and we, It was a great weekend um, on the Friday um, they presented me with the, with the, the freedom of city, and my family were there, and some of my old friends from some. In fact, uh, in the in the in the limited audience, there was uh, was uh, my pal from from primary school. He sat beside me in baby infants in the Christian Brothers School in, yeah. in Derry all those years. Yeah, I mean, Aww. so it was that lovely sense of of history, that lovely sense sense of homecoming. You know, yeah. that was, you know, I'm in a business where, where if you're lucky enough, you do get awards for this, that, and other, be it, be it a Grammy award or, you know, a gold album or this, that, and the other. But there was something very special about, about an award from, from your own people uh, in your own town um, and in the place where it happened, which was the Guildhall in Derry, which was, when I was growing up, it was the kind of holy of holies, you know. I mean, it was, uh, that's where the council sat and that's where, you know, then in Derry, the whole thing was, was run by, by the union as government. So, um, it was the London Dairy Corporation back then. The only the only time that uh, somebody of my background ever got across the door was at the annual music festival, the, the Fesh, which was held in the in the Guildhall. So to be back there and receiving the uh, the freedom of the city was a bit special. And you know, putting in that kind of context, I was thinking to myself, well, this is uh, you know a lot of water under the bridge from uh, from my days as a kid growing up in Derry. But the following day. That sense of homecoming was reinforced when, in conjunction with the with the International Choral Festival, which is which has been running in Derry now for uh, ten or twelve years, now got a big reputation internationally, where they have very high class choirs coming from around the world to compete. They dreamed up this idea of having uh, an epic sing along in Ebrington Square, which is a wonderful big space. It's the same area as, as Trafalgar Square. It was an old army base, and it overlooks the city, overlooks the river, overlooks the, the Craigan, the Moor, and the Vaud. All the uh, all the places nominated in the song, and to have two and a half thousand people on a drizzly Saturday afternoon uh, turning up to sing the town I love so well, and I'm looking out Elmery and I'm I'm seeing kids from from primary school, you know, I'm seeing their mums and dads, I'm seeing their grandfathers and grannies, people who lived through the troubles, people who who lived in the shadow of the troubles, kids who only heard about the troubles, but to see them um, singing every word of the song, and to see when we got to the end. And to hear two and a half thousand voices sing for what's done is done and what's won is won and what's lost is lost and gone forever. The song's 50 years old next year. So this was a real sense of the, of, of the song coming home as well as me.
How did you not have a lump in your throat for that? It must have been very emotional. Oh, I did. It was, it was hugely emotional. Yeah, hugely emotional. And I mean, just to look down and see how much it meant to people, you know, people who'd, who, who'd lived through it. But there was a lovely moment when I wrote the song and it was during the dark hours, of course, back home. But I was determined that I would strike a note of positivity at the end, so, they, so, so that even though dark, dark and, and dismal as it was back then, that there had to be hope for the future. So when we got to the end of the song, as I said, it was overcast and a bit drizzly. When we got to, I can only pray for a bright brand new day, mm. God Almighty, didn't, didn't the clouds part and, the, and, the, and the, 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 the sun shone through the blue sky? On cue, on cue, okay. on cue, I thought, well, we must be doing something right here. James Galway, James Galway, my old compadre, used to say to me, the Lord smiles on the righteous. <laughs> so I think the Lord was smiling on the righteous that day. He sent the sun to shine on, on a bright brand new day. It was lovely. It was really lovely. In my hand here, Phil, I have a copy of your autobiography, Bruised, Never Broken. And there's a lovely photograph of yourself and James in intense concentration in the studio at recordings. Um, but, yeah. you know, the way you have captured all of those memories of your childhood, uh, heading off to college, the 1970s, all the way up to today, it's it's peppered with so many stories and anecdotes. And I know that the name of this tour that you're on is also incorporating the stories. It's a lifetime of songs and stories, memories and melodies. And like yeah. you're you're getting to, I suppose, enjoy recalling and sharing loads yeah. of those uh, with the audiences each night when you're going around. And I'm just looking, actually, the photograph that's directly underneath uh, yourself and James Galway is yourself and Bill Clinton. And he's so casually draped the arm over your shoulder. Here we are, two oh, buds yeah. shooting the breeze, yeah, shooting the yeah. breeze. His successor and I didn't really have the same kind of friendship. Okay. Me and Trump didn't quite hit it off. But no, I was, uh, yeah, I, he was, you see, he's a big music fan, or was a big music fan, uh, Clinton. He told me himself that in his kind of late teenage years when he was kind of 17, he had to make a decision between being a musician or a politician. So I said, I think you made the right choice, boss. I think, I think you made the right choice. But yeah, we had, uh, we had a friendship when I would be in that part of the United States in Washington, D.C. There was an open door. I would call up and he would say, come over and we'll have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and, and chatter. There was one occasion when he was going to speak at a parent-teacher convention in one of the big hotels in, in Washington. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, why did you come with us? So I travelled. No. I travelled with the Secret <laughs> Service in, yeah, in oh a, a people God. carrier and stood... As if I was, as if I were a member of the Secret yeah, yeah, Service, yeah, yeah. you know, facing the audience and looking very stern. It was another one of my fantasies. But my dad having been a cop, you know, I thought, well, my dad would love this shit. Oh, here I am, stop. here I am, as part of the uh, Secret Service detail. Did you talk into person. your cufflinks? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> exactly. All of that. Oh, yeah. I was. I was. I was reenacting my my Clint Eastwood role. It was lovely. Lovely. There's, uh, seeing as I'm in, stuck in the middle of the photograph section of your book, there's another gorgeous handful of photographs uh, where you're rehearsing with Billy Connolly. And uh, you you have a section there, obviously, in those photos, which recount what happened at Billy Connolly's birthday. So you became oh, yeah. you became great friends with Billy. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we became very close, very close. I mean, as Billy, Billy himself says that, you know, we, we, we were like brothers for, for, for a long time. There were... There were for years in London. There were there were, there were three amigos um, who who were pals and who nursed each other through uh, through emotional stresses and strains and career highlights and 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 and, uh, and failures. That would be Billy Ralph McTell of the streets of London yes. and myself, 
we were very close and continue to be. We still stay in touch. But Billy, Billy became a, a very firm friend. And, I, you know, I still, we still stay in contact. Of course, the Parkinson's has kind of slowed Billy down a bit in terms of physically, but mentally he's still on the ball and still as funny as ever and still as, as, as great a character as ever. Yeah, the photographs, though, of yourselves now in the, the centrefold of the book, you're, oh, looking yeah. a, you're looking a right bit messy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a ch- with a chocolate cake in my face. Yeah, the the the, the party I think descended into who's going to throw cake? You know, rubbing the rubbing the, the cake into the, into the face. So there's, I think there's, a, I certainly have a, a face full of chocolate. So does Billy, and so does Ralph. Yeah. It was one of yeah, you know, boys' day out. You know, grown ups um, acting as school kids. But also, I suppose you know, this is that's life on the road. It's not all professional, and here we are, you know, mixing and we're music. You know, when you build a bond, especially a bond of brotherhood like that, uh, really. Yeah life, you know, you have to make a laugh and have crack while you can to levitate the seriousness and the intensity that everyone brings to the work because the output and the quality of the output over all those years and in all those interactions, you all had an eye on the quality of it. But, you know, I suppose over the course of those 60 years in music, and we've talked a number of times, Phil, about, you know, everything from you know, Elvis recording mirror music to the Eurovision to heading on tour to tranquility and what that did as a whole movement. Um, God, there's a, a girl who I wonder is she listening to the programme this morning, Sinead Murphy, uh, who's living down in Kilbritton now, herself and myself each bought as teenagers the uh, the Tranquility piano books and we used to be learning your piano pieces uh, at home and trying trying to do it exactly how, ourselves and <laughs> how many thousand others. But uh, there's a quote that you have towards the end of the book and I think it's really kind of sums up your attitude still now. Uh, you say there are a few qualities you need to survive in the music business. You have to be open to change and be prepared to try something new, to recognise an opportunity when it presents itself and need to have the courage to jump in. And that's that's still the mindset. Yeah, I mean, you have to you have to evolve. You know, I mean, the, the real the real art form in, in the music industry is survival. You know, and mm-hmm. you you can't you can't be frozen in time. You know, you, you you have to keep evolving. You have to be aware of of changing tastes and everything else. Like you know, when you're a songwriter, you know, if I had, for example, now. If when I had my run of, of success with the Eurovision, pop it on a string in 67, congratulations in 68, all kinds of everything in 1970, and then Twa for my wife Geraldine before she became my wife, of course, in 1974 for Luxembourg. If, if at that stage I had thought, right, that's it. I've got this Eurovision thing down pat. I'm a Eurovision songwriter. Well, I'd have been in poor states, and you know, subsequently, equally, if my teeny bopper period when I was when I was writing and producing the Bay City Rollers and Kenny and Slick, we had a you know, we had a stable of boy band. If I had then thought this is what I do, I've got this boy band thing. I mean, again, I would have been in a very sad state. The point I'm making is you need to be able to move on. And in the middle of all of that, when doing the Bay City Rollers or Elvis Presley or whatever it might be, I was able, thanks be to God, I was able to step away from that, fly back home to Ireland and and spend a a few weeks in the studio with the Dubliners and Luke Kelly. Completely different sort of music, completely different kind of songs, completely different challenge and completely different kind of satisfaction. You know, I've often said that the uh, the Eurovision stuff, the Teeny Bopper stuff, that was for my bank balance. But the songs with the likes of Luke Kelly, no scorn at his simplicity, or with the Furies, the Old Man, or whatever, those were for my soul. They were for me. You know, they were they were just keeping faith with uh, with the old creative side of me. Lukey, do you remember that lovely song that um, Phil Coulter wrote? Very personal song for him. Oh, very many. Agreed. This one, uh, I think you're recording of it. 
was the definitive recording of it and should and it should be left at that. But seeing as there's just a few of us sitting around here. Would you mind singing it? Scorn not a simplicity. Thank you, Jim. Desi, John, would you give me a C chord, please? See the child with the golden hair, but eyes that show the emptiness inside. Do we know? Can we understand just how he feels, or have we really tried? See him now as he stands alone and watches. Children play at children's game. Simple child, he looks almost like the others, yet they know he's not the same. Scorn not his simplicity, but rather try to love him all the more. Or not his simplicity. Oh no, oh no. Right now, Phil, when you are sitting at the piano, preparing for a tour, preparing for a concert, or going through songs and and works that you've you've penned already, what does it feel like when inspiration strikes you now? Do you still get that same fizz of excitement when ooh, there's a melody, ooh? There's a hope. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the songs, one of the songs we're going to be doing is, is a song that people do not know because it's 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 a very recent song, and it came about within the last six months when a close dear friend of mine in uh, in America, a writer, his son was being married in Sicily. I was invited to the uh, to the festivities, and I thought having the the facility to be able to write a piece of music rather than just buy Waterford glass or something you know, okay. as a wedding present, you know. Um, so I thought I know I'll I'll write I'll write a song, and it's happening. The wedding is happening in Sicily, so I'll kind of try and write a song and try a little bit of a, a vibe here, as if it's kind of an, an Italian village with a little Italian flavour in the, in, the, in the melody with mandolins and that kind of thing. So you get a great kick out of that, you know. There was a re- This is the point, Elmer. I don't write songs just for the sake of writing. I, write, I would write a song and just put it on a shelf. These days, I'm more likely to write a song like for a reason, like mm-hmm. like like if just a numerator, or if uh, if some of my 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 friends in the studio and say, "Listen, I need a song for such and such such and such," and I have a reason to do that, or write a song for a television drama or whatever it might be. But uh, the world doesn't need. Uh, any more songs? That's for sure. You know, I mean, there was a, there was a, there was a, there was, there was a headline in the, in the American music business magazine last week. It said, "Too many songs, not enough hits." Well, in the quality that you produced over the sixty years, my God, I don't know. You know, you, how you've whittled it down to select various songs and stories for each concert. Oh. I know that you held them all in the palm of your hand and I was so sorry to miss the concert in Carrigaline with the Carrigaline singers there last week. But you do have more concert dates coming up in Cork and I can see here in front of me you're in the Grain Store in Ballymaloo on the 14th of November and then just
just before New Year's Eve on the 30th of December, which is a Friday night, you're going to be in the Charleville Park Hotel. So that's uh, two other complete sides of the county that people can be putting into and their calendar. Another one, Elmer. There's another one on Saturday, the 5th of November in Mitchell's time. That's a Cork date. Mitchell's time where the keys comes from, right? Yes. We're there, we're there on Saturday, the 5th of November. That's, that's right at the start. We're doing Waterford on the 4th of November. That kicks us off. And then the 5th of November is, is in Mitchell's time. But you're right about Carrigaline. Carrigaline was a joy. Carrigaline singers are super. And they, 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 they brought a lot to the party. They brought a lot to the party. And, you know, having been, having, through the COVID, having been laid up for a couple of years, there is nothing nothing that compares with uh, with playing to a live audience and and just getting that feedback hearing them sing your songs back to you and just you know chatting to them afterwards and just that feeling of uh, for a lot of people at that gig it was their first it was their first concert since the covid so there was a sense of celebration and relief as well and there's nothing like a cork audience when they when they're on your side and singing their hearts out there just isn't that's just pure joy. Listen, Phil, yeah. it's always a joy to talk to you. I can't wait for the excuse to do it again. Wishing you the very, very best of luck um, with the rest of the dates and all that stamina. You're going to be eating a lot of rotisserie chicken, I'm telling you, by the, t- <laughs> by the time you finish this tour. <laughs> No more takeaways. No more Chinese takeaways. That's no more takeaways. <laughs> Thank we'll get you. Through it. We'll get through it. We? God bless you. Love me to chat Thank you, you so much. Take good care. God bless. Bye bye. Bye bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.